chapter 1, verse 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. And basically, we have been doing Bible history. Now, let me get to the fun part for the kids. Quiz time is coming up. If you answer the quizzes right, you get candy. My own kids have been visiting, and I might stand outside with candy, even if you don't get the quizzes right. But the next few minutes, it's candy time with the old man. This is the third time in my life I've tried to preach with my mobile phone. Now, let me get my book. Immigrants from Russia to North Dakota in their home. 
not square. You might ask, well, what's that do economically? And I hope I'm not boring you with emissions, economics, and a few other things. Here's the things that happen. Most international students in the United States pay full tuition at some universities as they even pay a little bit more. They're largely subsidizing education in some schools. There are certain things that the United States economy doesn't have enough people to do. Typically entry-level work or the starting points of health care. A lot of our long-term facilities and hospitals keep going. Entry-level jobs are full. Now, what's to do back where people come from? One of the things, if you watch me even, you'll notice you have all of these conversations on social media that I think are what Paul would be doing if he were living today. There'd be dialogues on Facebook and Twitter, and it gets really interesting on what's up, because not everybody's watching. But that's it. You have remittances, which are in many countries the largest source of foreign income. It's not loans from the World Bank. It's not USAID. It's not a big corporation investing in the business. In many nations, the largest source of is people who are diaspora living in the West sending money back home. And they do sometimes little things like they sponsor a nephew to go to school or they work with their brother to build a home or they start with two or three cousins and they start a business and they occasionally they put all their resources together and they do something really good. I like that because one, if you know international economics, a lot of times aid money gets stolen it's hard to steal from your brother. It has a higher level of accountability. It's more efficient. And if you watch, this is part of the reason some of these things happen on WhatsApp. In nations where most of us who believe in democracy would be concerned, would hope changes are made, their diaspora population usually all the voices say because their money is flowing, we have to pay attention to the um, Now, here's where I'm going to take you to James. This movement that I think we're seeing around the world, it's similar to what James is addressing when he says, I, James, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, write to you the 12 tribes scattered throughout the world. He's writing to scattered Now, I gave you real examples. I, but they're also ideas. If we are really honest, those of us that work with diaspora people that live with them or kind of would say we are diaspora, this cultural adaptation is intense. It's as intense as what we read about in Galatians or James. And in the intensity of the struggle, it can be easy to fall into patterns of abuse and addiction and actually do some of the worst possible. The church really has to rise to her best challenges of this movement of people that's happening around the world and it's happening in North Dakota. Now, here's the text I want us to look at today. Can you stand up and read this? It's James chapter 5, verse 13 to 14. Is anyone among you so? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and there is pray over them. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. 
brother and my dad will make bad choices. We really need grandmas and aunts to lead well. And in a lot of cultures, yep, the whole elder class is men and women who have some distinct differences and callings. And I think we as a church are wise to try to wrestle through and figure out what that looks like. That's as much as I'm going to say today. But practically, we need those hands and altars. Question is, anyone sick? Call the elders. The elders must pray for their Now, yeah, I'm going to tell you a story. I'll probably tell several, but i got enough time I can tell one. I mentioned at the very beginning, I think James is written to the Jewish Christians. I think it's very much influenced by Jewish culture. And occasionally, when you're trying to understand the Bible, you'll meet somebody whose culture is so similar to it, you realize he's catching it better than I am. When we lived in Africa, we had a lot of different ambassadors that we had to interact with. You know, the United States ambassadors from the United States, the country we were in. The favorite one, the most helpful one we ever had was a man named Jimmy Coulter. And Jimmy would introduce himself by saying, I'm a non-practicing Jew who likes missionaries. That was usually his introduction every time he would gather with the American community. And then he would watch, he'd follow policy, but when it came to his intuitions, he acted like a Jew that liked missionaries. And I hope this doesn't sound prejudiced, but I'm going to just tell one story of something Jimmy did one time that I think was working out what does this elder look We were, I hope I put my critical Every couple of years, politics would get a little dicey. And the American community would get called to the embassy, and there would be a community meeting where we would discuss with the ambassador what's going to happen if the country collapses. And we were in one of those meetings one time. And, you know, the, the bureaucrats would give you, here's the policy framework. And the policy framework sometimes is a little dry, and you wonder, what's really going to happen here? And there was an American family, it wasn't me, that raised their hand and said, if we have to evacuate, we're in the process of adopting our child as an American citizen. What's going to happen? Jimmy had kind of was sitting up, he was letting his staff kind of talk. And he got up off his chair, came to the podium, and he looked at us and pulled out his phone and he said, this is my mobile phone number. And he repeated it. And he said, if there is any of you are Americans, take my number down. If you are in trouble, call me. I will pick up or I will call you back quickly. We will leave no child of an American family behind as long as I'm the ambassador. Now, you watch, it was 200 families got a board and policy, and all of a sudden, you know, we're all up there on our mobile phone getting this number down. And what was funny, because Jan and I were in the background, and Jimmy's staff was behind, and they were kind of getting all jittery because policy had just been broken. But I want you to know, I think the men that I serve with as elders, this is our intention. This is our character. This is how James, as a believer, would say, this is what elders are about. And make sure I get my notes. Maybe I should look behind. Elders will come. You're in trouble, pick up the phone, call. Sometimes I'm asleep, but I'll pick it up at 4 or 5 in the morning when I look up and say, but you're, we're going to get back to this. You can 
expect us to show up and pray for you and to give you some practical counsel. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'll tell you to go to the doctor. But I'm going to say, hey, I think you got to eat this. Let me bring over some oranges. Let me cook some stew. Here's some things. Oh, we're going to go for a bike ride. You want to come along? I think you need a little exercise. We're going to give you that practical wisdom. One of the things that sin does is that sometimes our personal sin does create health problems. And I hope that it doesn't happen, but I've pastored long enough to know that really I'm not going to get a surprise if a young couple pulls me aside and says we're dating but she's pregnant. Or I'm not going to be surprised if I get a phone call and I look at it's four in the morning and somebody's been in a crash in a car and in the hospital and they've had too much to drink. You're not going to surprise me with those things. Call me anyway. The weight that we carry of sin is what keeps us in these cycles. And let's just talk about it. If we talk about it, we can solve about anything because God is with us. Jesus' blood cleanses us from our sin. The Holy Spirit lives in us. In every one of us, fact, the older we get, the more we realize, oh, man, I've got so many flaws in these things. Forgiveness. We've got to be honest. Now, I think it's up there. Our elder's phone number. No, I don't think it's up there. Ah, it's there. Rev makes me look better all the time. Here's our numbers. If you don't have them, write them down. Maybe I should leave them up there for a bit of time. Call us. We'll pick up the phone. We'll get to you. There's who we are. Now, James gives an example of a righteous man's prayer. He quotes from Elijah and tells a story that goes back to 1 Kings 17 and 18. And it's a story about Elijah and Jesus Christ, the man just like us. Which, frankly, I've only been here eight months, but the elders, they're just like us. Every one of us has a few flaws. We've got some rough edges. You call us, and if you've done something wrong, one of us has probably made mistakes. We're, we're, we're not immune. We're not that holy. But the way that Elijah reflected the righteousness of God is he made faithful attempts to do what God was calling him to through a difficult time. He lived through a season where he spoke and the land had no rain for three and a half years. And when they were going through a drought, he was told by God to go take shelter. And it wasn't with an Israeli family. It was with a woman from Sidon, a foreigner, a widow with just one son. God put him somewhere with during that time, this widow's son died, and she cried to Elijah, and she complained about it, and then she even described herself to the King James as a person full of iniquity. And that for a lady, come to God, come to your elders, come to your leaders, and where God you know, I brought this on myself. Elijah cried out to God to someone. Then Elijah confronted the corrupt king Ahab and his false prophets. And I won't give you the whole story, but the point that James wants us to know is three and a half years later, Elijah starts to pray in a gentle way, and there's a small cloud in the distance, and then that small cloud becomes a storm, and the Lord answers. That's what the prayer is. Now, lastly, I want to talk to you. Because we're family, James talks about correcting one another, and he uses the phrase that he's kept using over and over again. I probably should have counted the number of times he says brothers and sisters in the says if somebody's on a wrong path, come back and 
talking about last week, and I said, what do you think about my sermon? He said, stand at the back and hand out candy. Don't let any kid go out without candy. Let your kids trick you, and then kids say, and this is how I need to do it. Let me stand for our closing blessing. I'll be reading from the book of Common Prayer.